What does it take to create a vibrant, thriving life? First, the sad news is that Thoreau was right. Most people are leading quiet lives of desperation, lacking in meaning, fulfillment, and vitality. But we choose more. We choose to create extraordinary lives. And the Art of Vibrant Living show entertains you with inspiration, empowerment, and education to create your life into a masterpiece. It's time. Let's vibe up. Welcome, y'all. Aloha. Daniel Aaron, your host. Welcome to the Art of Vibrant Living show. And I'm just so excited, tickled pink, um, well, a little bit white, but um, tickled pink to have this be our inaugural show. And I've been for so long planning and, and, and being inspired and excited about bringing you this show, which, good thing you're sitting down, it's all about the art of vibrant living. And I have such an amazing guest for you today, a colleague and a friend, um, a great business guy who really lives the art of vibrant living and is here to share with you about it. And, that, and that's what the show is all about, is to empower you to break free from the soul-sapping grip of mediocre monotony and create truly vibrant, thriving lives. And as more and more of us awaken to our true potential, together we are creating a world where true peace and prosperity flourish. So y'all, I'm just so excited that you are here, whether it's live or on the rebroadcast, I'm excited to share with you. And on that note, let's get right into today's show. Um, I uh, Coming up on the show is um, my uh, colleague, friend, mentor, and in fact, the producer of this show, Brian Kelly, and he's, he's an amazing human being, first of all, with a huge heart, and he's got a tremendous background in business, and I, I bow like this because what he knows in his head about automation and coding and what goes on beyond this, behind the scenes to make things work, especially in the modern business world, and, and look, whether you're into business or not, you are going to benefit so much from learning his story and also what he can share with you about the way business works and the way, the way automation works because it's an increasing part of all of our lives. So on that note, without uh, further delay, Brian, thank you so much for coming and being with us today. Thank you, my brother. I'm still trying to figure out who you're talking about during that whole intro. I appreciate all the glowing words. I mean, if you just talked half that nicely to me when we talk in person, I'd be so over the moon happy. I'm kidding. Totally. He's always like this, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel is an amazing, uh, he's got a heart of gold uh, like no other, and he's become a dear friend of mine as well. And I'm so excited for you, Daniel, to be kicking off your inaugural show with you. It's uh, just an absolute blessing to be here with you. I appreciate it, man. Well, awesome. Thank you. Um, and I'm excited. So, Brian, um, you, you've got an amazing story. Um, and, uh, we don't have time for all of it though. I would love if you would, um, you know, give our audience a little bit of background on how you get, you know, how you got to be who you are and, and what brings you here today. Oh my goodness. So, uh, I was born 
No, I'm kidding. So uh, <laughs> we could start. Yeah, I had a. I just found out when I was really young, I, I developed a, the incredible drive to be more successful than the environment I had lived in. I grew up in a lower middle income class uh, family, more lower than middle. And I didn't know that until I became old enough to realize and recognize uh, things that were different about me and my family than my friends. And that was about junior high. And up until then, I had the greatest childhood. I didn't know any different. Played sports. My parents were the best on the planet. They only knew what they knew, and they did the best for us. Not, no uh, complaints at all about them ever. Uh, but uh, when I became a, a, a junior higher, I, I just, I will never forget, there was a movie, an epic movie coming out. This is before social media, before internet, really. Uh, and it was all word of mouth and newspapers and things like that. And so all of my friends were just buzzing about this new movie that was coming out. And I couldn't wait. And the, the buildup was immense. And so I remember going home one day and said, Mom, 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 Dad, 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 can I please have a ticket to go to the movies? Because everyone's going to go see this epic show. And I want to go there, too. And I'll never forget. They looked down at me and said, oh, sorry, son, we can't afford it. And back then, a movie ticket didn't cost what it does today. Even that, in, in you know, if you put it in perspective, it's still not a whole lot of money to say, I can't afford to send my child to go off and, and have a great experience with something. And that's when it hit me. I mean, not that instant, but I'm like, I was disappointed, of course, because uh, this was a big movie. It was the first ever movie of many that were to come called Star Wars. <laughs> and I never will forget. The next day, going to school after it premiered, and all my friends went. I'm going to school, and I, I did. I, I'm like, what language are you guys talking? I don't understand you, because it's R2D2, C3PO, Chewbacca. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And it just really alienated me in in myself. I, I allowed it to, and I thought, man, I am never going to be put in a position or a situation where I have to look down at my kids and say the same thing. At least I'm going to do my very best not to. I was born with an inherent drive anyway, but that, that's really what spearheaded it. And ever since then, I've just, I've gone 100%, you know, full throttle when it's uh, something to help my family and our situation. And now above and beyond that, even more importantly, or as important are everyone else I come in contact with. I just love, love helping people. Uh, it's just something that God put in me. I just cannot stop it. And I won't, I love it. That's that's beautiful, and it's, isn't it fascinating the way like certain events that seem like nothing at the time can have such a profound impact on our lives? And um, normally, I would not be the uh, the kind of companion or show host to say, "Well, I got to tell you about my Star Wars story," but in this case, I do because. Um, so funny that you bring that up because I remember it crystal clear. We must be near the same age because I remember when that movie came out and I was, um, our family, I guess, was doing just a tiny bit better financially than yours was because uh, my mother did take me to the movie. Um, what I noticed though is at the movie, uh, she was so stressed out about it because we, you know, we had enough money to pay for the movie, but then we got there and she didn't realize that she was going to have to pay for parking for the car. Oh, no. And, and it was not cheap, you know, for us, the parking. And this is classic, my mother, and uh, I'm with you, no complaints, um, but taught me something profound. We watched the movie and I, I hope you've seen it by now, at least it was, you know, it was like mind blowing and phenomenal, right? 
And we're co we come out of the movie, go and get in the car and we're driving out. And, and it was, you know, the days when you drive through the turnstile to, or before you get to the gate to drive out and there's actually somebody working in the little booth, like a toll booth there. <laughs> My mother, bless her soul out of nowhere, you know, poor like teenage guy working at the booth is like, you know, hands, hands, you know, gets the ticket, gets the money. And my mother out of nowhere goes to him. She goes, I hope you're happy. You know, and the poor guy's like, uh, and she's like, cause you know, parking costs so much. We didn't have enough money for popcorn. And, and I'm sitting in there in the, in the passenger seat, one of like a thousand times with my mother, I'm like shrinking down, like, Oh God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, mom, it's not his fault. He didn't do it. Um, and relatedly though, like, like you, that was for me a moment of like, wow, you know, this, it can't, this can't be the only way of living. Like yes. where, you know, we're so upset about what we can't do and what we don't have that one, we're taking it out on somebody else. And two, that, that we can't have what we want. Like it's gotta be possible. I saw other people there that were eating popcorn. I know it's possible. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. That is like so on point. And yeah, I, I believe that, you know, and that's a great example of how many people do think and nothing against your mom. I mean, we are all kind of wired that way to take out our frustrations on people who had nothing to do with the reason why it happened. Uh, and the great thing is, well, later in my life, I learned to be more at cause uh, about everything that happens in my life and not to point fingers or blame elsewhere, but to look in the mirror and say, well, I had something to do with this. There's some way, somehow I was responsible for my situation today, right now. Uh, and no one else was. I cannot and I will not blame anyone else. And when you go to that extra step and you, you take cause and many of us don't want to do that because that means, you know, I'm not saying it's your fault. But could you somehow, in some way, be even a tiny bit responsible for whatever incident just occurred occurring? And the answer is always yes. And the more you can do that and the more ridiculous that situation can be where it's like, how could I have had anything to do with that? The more you're going to train yourself to be more, more a cause. And when you're at cause, you're in power of your own life. You're not giving it up to others. When you're giving out excuses, you're giving up your power. And so it, it was a great lesson I learned. I was like, geez, 48, 49 years old when I learned that lesson almost 10 years ago. Now everyone's doing the math. That's okay. Let's get that out of the way. So yeah, uh, great stuff. That was a great story because I think we've all been through something similar, either us doing that and saying those things to somebody or witnessing it with someone else that we love. Well, and and I, and I thank you for that. And I love that you, um, you already pointed to when you learned that lesson because you, you must be psycho. I mean, psychic, because I was just about to ask you, uh, in fact, like, how, how did you learn that? Like, what 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 happened that you learned? And also, and before you answer that, would you also, what, what would be another way of saying at cause? Because I know when I first learned that language, I was like, what does that mean at cause? Would you would you put it in other in another language too? Just yeah, just taking responsibility in any amount you can for your current situation. It means you know we can either have. We can either have excuses or we can have results, meaning positive results, but you cannot have both in any and every situation. It's it's a one or a zero. You either can or you cannot. It's up to you. And we, the beautiful thing, the wonderful thing is we, all of us, to a person, have a choice how we react to every situation in our life. Can we be reactionary? Look, is it okay to be human and have emotion and get upset or even pissed off? Yes, we're built that way. But it's more important than how do you quickly uh, turn that and do it with 
authenticity and say, look, there's no need for that kind of reaction. And now I'm going to calm down and I'm going to choose the path of being at cause responsible and not make an excuse uh, that that happened because someone else did that. Well, that happened because some other environmental factor did that to me. No, I chose to be where I'm at right now. I'm under the rain uh, that I'm, I am somehow responsible for the rain hitting me in the head right now. If that's what got triggered me. Uh, so yeah, I'd say responsibility and, you know, excuses versus results is the bottom line. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So how did you figure that out? I didn't, I was, I got a mentor. I, I trained under an amazing young man, very young. He could be my son by age. Uh, that's another thing I learned is uh, I used to not think uh, highly of anybody that was lesser in age of me because they didn't have experience like me, but I, I got mature and realized, man, there are a lot of young people that know more than I do in many areas. So I can learn from them too. And this young man's name was, is Mel Cutler. And he had a seminar industry or a business going and uh, I ended up going to it. And it was all about using neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, but with a twist. And very few did this at the time. It was NLP for business directly uh, targeted to improve one's own business. And when I learned in that, I mean, this is where I learned being at cause. Uh, this is where I learned that you can rewire your brain for success in an instant rather than years on a couch and getting, um, you know, someone taking you back through all of your horrid events to try to help you come to terms with them. And NLP just says, we don't care what happened in the past. We're just going to fix it. It doesn't matter what it was. We're just going to fix it and move on. And it does. It works as a science. And I, I, I remember going because um, I was always very hesitant to have anything come anywhere near my mind. And this was mindset work. It was reprogramming one's mind at a subconscious level. So I was really guarded. Uh, my mom, I'll never forget when we're watching TV at home as little kids and they have a stopwatch going back and forth on the TV and they're about to hypnotize somebody. It's all an act. But she would say, look away and don't listen because she thought they could steal our faith in God and Christ. And I like, it scared me. So when I first learned about it, I was I was guarded. I was like this. And, and then I learned that you cannot be reprogrammed to um, to you cannot be programmed to a different set of values that you already have inherent in you. Uh, it's not it, they tried it many years in the army and other other ways, vicious ways of doing it, <laughs> uh, and including um, hip, hypnotism and, and all kinds of stuff. And they could not make someone they could not. Um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. They cannot reprogram one's mind, uh, mind control. It, they couldn't make it happen. So if you're not born innately to be a murderer, you're not going to be uh, reprogrammed into being one. And I thought, well, it's, now that I know that and now that I know we're going to use this for good. I'm in. Let's do this. And I went all the way in, all the way in. <laughs> and I eventually ended up, long story, make it real short, uh, becoming his lead trainer, speaking his content from his stage to his students. And I did a full half of every seminar for a, a couple years. Uh, and it was the greatest experience I've ever gone through in my life. And I learned at a deep level, you know, it's learn, do and teach. To learn something at the very deepest level is to teach it. And it's so true. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, and I love that you brought up um, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which I've heard described and I've studied a bit myself, and I've heard it described as the study of success, right? It's the science of success, what actually creates success. And, you know, in case it's not obvious for anyone, neuro meaning brain, linguistic words, programming. And, and so ironic, too, like what your, your mom's thinking that that's the time to turn away. Yes. When there's also the 
the, the wise way of looking at things, which is uh, television is in itself, you know, its entire programming, like tell a vision. And, and that's part of what I grew up in my lower middle class family. I often talk about the standard American diet. And that's, you know, what got me to be a fat kid was the, the food. But it was also the vision of, you know, consuming, right? The vision of being uh, not at cause, the, the vision of being at effect in the world. That was the the vision that was being told all the time. Um, so I'm curious though, you said a couple things in there that I think are really uh, key for the, for the art of vibrant living. One is you allowed yourself to open up to your mentor, Mel, even though he was younger than you, right? Which to me implies a certain level of humility, right? And you also were willing to be in a position of, of not knowing, right? And, and I've seen this happen so many times where people, um, I don't know, they have, they have some feeling like if they don't know or if they humble themselves, that that means something's wrong with them. Or in, you know, in my work as, as a coach, or, and I've seen it in therapy, all kind, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That's for some, you know, that's for other people because there's something wrong. And I've always thought like, well, well shit, if something can help, right? If it can make things better and it doesn't hurt, there's no downside to it. Like I'm all in, let's go for it. So how did, you know, how did you have that humility or what I would think of as wisdom? What, what, what brought you to saying, yeah, I'm willing to be receptive here. I certainly wasn't born with it because I was that other, that one person that always thought if I'm not right, there's something wrong. You said that beautifully that, you know, others will think less of me because I'm admitting that I don't know everything, you know? It's just this inherent thing. And what I learned large in large part through my time with Mel was there is this three-letter word that all of us have that caused this, and it's called ego. And the more you're able to recognize it when it happens and then then adjust to it. And you know, it's like that little devil that pops up on your shoulder, the ego's going and yammering in your ear. Well, that's the time to just flick it really hard and get it out of there. And then that opens your mind to say, okay. It's okay to say, you know, there's, there's three, I always say there's these three words that are the most, three most dangerous words that if you were to utter them either to yourself or out loud, that whatever you're sitting down to do right now in a session, if you're going to learn, you're going to shut off all learning and it will be shut off and you won't learn a thing if you were to utter these three words. And those three words are, I know that. And we all have it. I always tell everybody, you know, we all have that hat, that I know hat on. And we, I always tell, take it off. I know it's, it's, Make believe, take it off right now. I tell them to do it physically, grab the brim of it, find that open door and throw it out like a Frisbee. The cool thing is when you, you will, you'll still do this, even when you're aware of it. The cool thing is be aware of it happening. Number one, number two, then reframe it. And it's okay. Say, I know that. And I wonder what else I can learn from this today. Now you've opened your mind to be receptive of new ideas, new thought patterns, because how many times have we heard the same thing? We think it's the same thing over and over. And like, oh, I already know that inside. And we're folding our arms. And we're like, oh, let's get to the next subject already because I've heard all this. Well, this opens you up. And now you're like, hey, I wonder what different twists this person could have on it that could lead to more knowledge to me, to lead to more understanding the next step in my business, whatever it happens to be. And then, gosh, it just makes life exciting. And enough, it's not boring anymore because the repetition or the, um, oh, my God, I said it. <laughs> The, oh, I lost it. Uh, but the, 
one of the, the keys to mastery is repetition. Yes, there is. And uh, because you will see it differently. Like if you read a book for a second time, it seems different. And everyone's like, how can that be? Did the words in the book change? No. Did the pages get ripped out? No. Did anything change in the book? No. So what changed? Guess what? You did. You're now ready for the next story that you weren't ready for the first time through. Same thing with I know that. If you are able to recognize your thinking, oh, man, here we go again. It's like, wait, I wonder what else I can learn from this. Then you, you just open up your whole, your whole, oh, my gosh, it just excites you. Over time, you'll learn that uh, you're going to have this great vigor and vibrancy for life that you didn't have before. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Wow, beautifully said. Um, you, you'll appreciate this then, um, right? Because a lot of us heard uh, our friend Tony Robbins say many times, you know, uh, repetition is the key to mastery. And years ago, I was <clears throat> doing his Platinum Partnership Program, right? Which is this crazy expensive one year, like do everything, kind of sit in the front row thing. And um, one of my best friends when I was doing that there, who was also in the program, this guy, Oliver, he was from Germany, but he lived in Thailand. And he and I were kind of like the most bohemian of all the like, you know, cause it was like a hundred thousand dollars plus. So most of them were like these very high level business people. And I was living in Bali at the time. And, and he was on, I don't remember what it was, maybe his third year. And I remember being with him at one of those seminars, you know, like you were at Mel seminars. I was at, we were at one of those seminars and I was sitting next to him and somebody came up and they're like, Oliver, how many times have you done this seminar? And it was like Tony Robbins, like most basic one. And Oliver's thought about it for me, he's like, this is the 23rd one, right? <laughs> you know, and I thought I was a bit of a nutcase. I had done maybe three of them. <laughs> and, and they're like, they looked at him like, what is wrong with you, man? And he, you know, he caught their look, didn't have any reaction at all. And, and I was just, you know, observing this whole thing. And I, it was so brilliant. He's like, well, I'll answer you. They didn't even ask the question, but the question was just hanging there. Like, why do you keep doing it? But he answered the question in a way, which was until I have applied everything that is being taught in my life and I've mastered it, I'm going to keep going. And I was just like, wow, like next level. So I'm right there with you in terms of like, I know that dangerous words, if we want a vibrant life, right? If we want to thrive, because one of the keys to vibrancy, keys to a good life, keys to success, right, is learning, right? There's always more to learn. Um, one of my favorite jokes is I have a I have a great home here in Maui that I rent, and um, the biggest room in this house by far is the room to improve. There's so much room to improve in my life. <laughs> so nice. What I mean. So I mentioned the word success. You mentioned the word success. What, um, how do you, you know, how do you define it? And what do you think is like, what are some of the top keys for you in creating success? I love this question because it's one of the key questions I ask on my show. And it, it is very subjective. Every person's definition of success, every person, their definition of success, success today is different than the person sitting next to them and the next to them and next to them, every single person. And then whatever your definition of success is today will be altered not far from today. And you'll have a different definition. It's an ever moving 
uh, target for me right now. My definition of success is I'm in the beautiful state of Florida. We just moved here. I'm in an Airbnb awaiting the close of a brand new home. It's not a new home, but it's for us. It's a new home in Florida and it's our dream home. It's a gorgeous, large, on the water, ocean access home. And for me, the definition of success is the day we move in is going to be my definition of success for that day or for this iteration of what that definition is. Because the whole reason, the whole reason I wanted to get here and to be on the water was because of my wife. Uh, she went through about a breast cancer recently. And during this period, she shared with me something I didn't know about her. And I, we met in high school. We're high school sweethearts. She shared that whenever she's near a large body of water, the ocean, this was in Southern California at that time, she feels incredibly good and it feels good to her and, it, and it, it's healing to her. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. And then my, she said, our daughter was the same way. And I confirmed it with my daughter. I said, I didn't know this was a thing. So instantly my drive became very strong to get us in a place that is on or near uh, the ocean. And I knew California wasn't a good place to do that for so many reasons, one being cost compared to Florida. And so for me, definition of success is getting those keys, opening the door and bringing my wife into our home that's going to brighten her life every single day. We have, we're gonna have side-by-side -side offices that they look out over the water. And we have, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. I can't wait for you to come visit it, Daniel. I know it's a long, a long uh, flight for you, but we're going to have to have you come out. That's my definition today because my wife is my why. Uh, if, she, if she's happy, then I'm fulfilled. Um, that's just what it comes down to for me. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, having a why, having a reason is so important. Um, I heard... I heard a definition of success recently that I like. So I'll add it to your collection, which is that um, success is winning at the game you want to be playing, right? So mm -hmm. what, what's the game you want to be playing? Is it money? Is it leadership? Is it uh, love? Is it service? Is it vitality? Like it's, it's, or even better progressing in that area. Um, the you know, uh, you and I both love quotations. Winston Churchill is credited as saying that success is stumbling from one failure to another without a loss of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Now, you're doing well in your life and, um, uh, you know, running successful business. You've, you've got this home that you're moving. You're able to create this for your wife. But I'm, I'm just going to go out on a radical limb here and guess that maybe at some point in your life you experience besides star wars experience some some kind of challenge um that uh humbled you or you learned from or required some level of resilience or grit um is there anything that that comes to mind for you that was mm. something you overcame that that's helped define you and create more success yeah one thing that comes to mind is I was quick to pull the plug on things and, and give up uh, because, you know, we all grow up in an instant gratification society and I wasn't getting to that level of success I wanted fast enough. So I would shift gear and focus and go somewhere else. Shiny object syndrome comes to mind. Uh, jumped from network marketing company to network marketing company. Ended up saying, you know what? It's tough building your own organization. It never works the way they say. So I had the opportunity to become a co-owner of a network marketing company. And I said, 
that's the ticket because now everybody is in my downline now. I'm a co-owner and I don't have to build it and spend the time recruiting. Um, went through a lot, learned a lot through that. Uh, but And we didn't give up on that one. We probably should have given up on it sooner than we did, um, but it did not succeed after I think it was three years. Uh, we did everything we could, learned a bunch. But it, it's more about resilience. It's more about uh, you, you got to really, really believe in what you're doing or it, it's not going to happen. I'm just I hate to tell this to people that that think they have a passion for something. I used to be in personal fitness, uh, certified personal instructor, and I thought I loved it. And I did, but not as much as I truly love automation, which I wasn't. It wasn't even my purview back then, like automation. Uh it's, it's about listening and being open to hearing what other people perceive about you. Those that love you, those that want the best for you, especially not those that are the naysayers. And I had three people in a very short period of time uh, say something similar to me. One said, you know, when you talk about fitness, I don't hear, I don't hear the passion. He literally said this to me. He was a fitness, he was, he had his own boutique gym across the country from me. Good friend. He said, but when I hear you talk about automating things, that's when I hear your, your passion comes in. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. It comes natural to me. I love it. It's easy. Oh, that's interesting. And my wife said something similar. She goes, anytime you tackle any new project, you automate the bejeebers out. I was like, huh. And then there was a third one. This is all within a, like a one-month span. And the very next month, I kid you not, I pulled the plug on a fitness business that I had spent two to three years building. Tons of videos, workout videos, all kinds of stuff that I developed. I literally deleted everything in one day and I felt zero remorse. And I said, I know I just did the right thing. And so are you going to know what the right thing is? It's tough. You know, I can't tell you you're going to. It's like, when do you know that you found your true love? It's a similar question. Uh, there's no way I could tell you that. It's just you will know. You will feel it. Uh, and it will. And, and it's not going to happen. Usually it doesn't happen as your first choice, your second, third or fourth. So it, it, just go through the journey of life. Enjoy every step. Learn as you go. Don't make the same mistakes that you made before, but but make more mistakes, more different mistakes. Like you just said, fail faster and, and go through life and love it as a journey. And eventually, if you keep moving forward, stacking those pebbles, you will find that one thing that really moves your needle. And perhaps you could actually make some money at it. And that's where you go. That's where I'm hanging my hat, at least for now. And then five years down the road, you might say, I actually like that better. That's the beautiful thing about life. It never gets boring when you have so many choices and there's never a ceiling where this is it. There's nothing else ever. Uh, that would be the worst life and forever. <laughs> so there's always an option to do something different, to climb higher, to, to achieve more success, to help more people, to serve more people. Uh, but just continue going forward. It's like a ship in the water. Unless it's going forward, you can turn it left, right, and the other way, but you never know if you're going to make your destination. You have to actually get the oars in the water or turn on the engine and it needs to go forward. You could be going the wrong direction, but at least you have the ability to alter the course by this thing called the steering wheel or whatever it's called on a ship. I'm not a, obviously a person that does it, but you can turn that wheel and right the ship to the, and you might go back and forth, back and forth until you finally hone in. But at least if you're moving forward, then you will eventually find it. You just keep going. Be, be uh, just persevere. Don't ever give up. Nice. Beautiful. Nicely said. And, you know, the, uh, what was it? Nietzsche said, uh, he, he who has a big enough why can en endure any how. And, and I remember when I, when I first got into Strengths Finder, you know, the, the Gallup poll, one of the best like uh, tools for understanding what we're good at. Like one of the really surprising distinctions that I got from that was, 
it doesn't say what we're good at, right? What are, what our strengths are. And if you look at your top five strengths, it's not necessarily what you're good at, but it is what you are predisposed toward. And if you're predisposed towards something, you got enough interest, passion, energy for it, then you're likely, or it becomes possible to stay in it long enough to actually get good at it. Right. And so I got one more thing in response to what you said. I want to ask, flip a question back from related to what you just said. One of my teachers, kind of a friend, um, is a guy named Derek Sivers, who got f famous years ago for a company called CD Baby. And this was at the very beginning of online music. And he was a musician and he figured out how to take his music and sell it over the internet, right? And he did that essentially because he had the mind of a coder. Um, coding, maybe we could say, and I'll ask you in a minute, is another word for automation, right? But he figured out a way to do this and to do it in a cool way and to do it in a way that had personality to it. And then his friends started coming to him, his musician friends, who didn't understand the business side. And they said, can you help me with this? And so this company was born, it blew up. And I think this was, um, I don't quote me on the date here, but like late 90s, he sold the business for, I think, $19 million and gave the entire thing to charity. And that was a lot of money at that point. All right. And then he moved his life into becoming a thought leader, we could say. Um, and he's written several books. And one of his books was something like, or maybe this was an article. I forget how it came about. It was like 27 ways to create success, 27 ways to become a millionaire um, and to be happy, something like that. It was all put into one package. And one of the things he said in there was learn coding. Hmm. And I remember when I read that, I was like, are you kidding? Like coding? <laughs> Like that's computer geek stuff. I'm not only don't I understand it, I don't have any interest. It's not possible. But over the last, you know, for me, just the last few years, I realized like, well, coding is just like automation is just like developing habits so that we don't have to think about and do the same thing over and over again. It becomes imprinted as part of who we are. So that long preamble is, is sort of to ask you, you know, what is automation? Why do people, why might people care about it and benefit from it? And why do you love it? Oh, wow. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Why do I love it? I started way back. My first software uh, class uh, learning to code was in college. I went to a two-year college to start and then transferred to a four. And yeah, it, it required immense patience. And that's where a lot of people uh, don't want to do it. And they, uh, and I get that. I totally get it. It takes immense, immense patience because uh, writing code is in itself an art. It is like writing music because to get to the same solution, you could use a myriad of different ways to get to that solution, writing the software. And so I love that about it. It was a creative process. The thing I loved about it more, though, were the results, because when you've done it and then you've written the code, it runs a certain path. You, you put in an input and it gives you a desired result, whatever that result is that you're looking for. And then you test it and make sure it accounts for all perturbations and all possibilities that you're interested in. And then you let it run. The beautiful thing is once you've done that, you've coded it and tested it, it doesn't make mistakes ever. 
unless there's a problem with the hardware that the, the computer battery runs like it, but the software is not going to make a mistake if you've tested it and you can then repeat it over and over and over. And now take that to business. I have implemented a lot of automation using several tools that marry with each other. And the purpose is not to get rid of jobs. A lot of people think, oh, robots, they're, they're taking humans jobs. Well, that's true to some extent. Uh, they are taking some people's jobs, but what if you can take this automation and have it do those repetitive tasks that we as humans just detest? We don't like it. Why would you have your, your team, your, your VAs, your employees doing stuff they don't like? Because they're not going to enjoy and have that passion for your company to grow. Uh, they never will have that amount that you have, but you're, you're, not, you're kind of constraining them if they're getting these boring repetitive tasks that can be supplanted with some kind of automation, you know, so you have a human doing it that makes errors and you have a human that's unhappy. And so your company's not going to thrive as great as it could. Implement automation, have that do the repetitive mundane task, give your employees and your team tasks that stretch them, that give them ownership of each task and give them the create the, the freedom to be creative and come up with the solution. Give them guidance, but don't micromanage them and say, do X, Y, Z, that's repetitive again. Now you can just say, well, if I, if I can tell you every step what I need you to do, then I can I can automate that. I don't want my my team doing repetitive, mundane tasks. I want them to be able to grow. I literally am training one of my uh, VAs this moment, I, and I tell her this very often on our on our meetings. I say, I am training you so that at some point you will have the ability to leave me, my company. And then I always coyly say, of course, you realize you can never leave me, right? And she would laugh, and we have a good laugh over that. But truly, that's what I do. Uh, train them so well, they can literally leave your company. And that, mean, that means now they have this deep ownership. They love. Uh, they're more passionate about working with you. I never say for you. And it just creates a great uh, synergy that and uh, a great culture. Uh, I now have more than one person on my team, and, and uh, she, the one I'm I'm massaging her and building her. She's become a manager and she's managing others now. And she's taking that culture that we've developed together. I don't just say I developed this culture. We're working on this together. And she's having, you know, handing it off to the next person. And it's just, it's a joy to see happen. And it's a joy to see people actually have a good time. You go on a meeting and, and you hear a laugh. You're like, that's not the meeting that I remember growing up with in the corporate world where everyone's just, you know, trying to slug their coffee and stay awake with the toothpicks on their eyes because they're bored beyond their gourd. And, uh, you know, you want to make things engaging and by giving people a piece. So automation can truly be a godsend for anyone's business. It has been for mine so that you can then task your people with things that they are truly built to do, which is to be creative. Those are not things that at least for a big part of uh, computing that I grew up with, um, they don't do that. I know there's AI that's come to the forefront creativity uh, is involved in that, but um, there's a place for it. And uh, it's, in my opinion, it doesn't replace a person on a job. It enhances their current position in your job. Nice, nice, nice. That's beautiful, beautifully said. Well, and that, that kind of gives a perfect segue into something I've already been thinking about wanting to ask you about um, leadership, right? Um, and what you described is such a beautiful thing because the leadership you are bringing to your business is empowering that person, right? It's not, it's not just delegating. It's not just farming out the work. You're actually investing in helping your employees to become 
better people, happier people, um, more able to succeed on their own, you know, with the aim to grow beyond you, which is, which is beautiful. And like some people would actually go say, well, that's even, it's selfless. But, you know, I think on, on some level, it's also selfish if we look at it from that perspective, because then you're going to have people that are more engaged and happier, right? And that creates a better culture. So what's your opinion uh, about leadership? Um, you know, how is it important in, in, in just in life in general? And in, yeah, just actually, let's leave it there. How is it important in life in general? And, and how does one cultivate it? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, gosh, it was a lot, a uh, combination of things. But uh, as I got older, reading books helped a lot, a lot of books on leadership. And uh, one of the things I realized uh, and I learned was that you don't have to wait till you have a team to learn to be a great leader. Uh, you can start training yourself to lead yourself as if you were one of your own people and think in that way and develop that culture. But I remember going all the way back to my college days I, I loved, and still to this day, I love kids. I just, I, they invigorate me. I love kids, their curiosity, everything about them. They're, they're just walking curious beings, right? And um, I, got to, I got the ability to coach them. I was big into sports growing up, played in high school all the way through, had a great time. And I was coaching a kids basketball team. Never forget this. I'm in a park um, in Seal Beach, California, uh, where I was going to college in Long Beach nearby and I was working at the parks and rec and part of the job was to coach a team and they picked you know only those people that had sports background that wanted to do it and so heck yeah I'll do that and we were on one side of this court outside on the asphalt and there was a, a, a much older man coaching another group of kids same age uh, group different team on the other side of the court half court so they're on one end we're on the other we can hear each other plain as day and um, my kids are going to have them do shooting layups, you know, whatever. But there are techniques to it. Jump off. If you're right-handed, jump off your left foot. If you're left-handed, jump on your right foot. Because if you were to stand up, you can tell that you can get up higher by the diagonal that you make with your body than if you stood up with the same foot on the same side of your leg. And I would, you know, we went through all this. So our kids would go in there, shoot layups, and they're missing most of their shots. But that wasn't the point. They were trying. They were trying hard. And I would praise them. Good job. I could tell if they're trying or not. I can tell if they're doing it half-baked. You know, there's another word for that, but I won't say that. And uh, um, if they truly did do something that was against, uh, you know, instruction, and they did it on purpose, and they're just being defiant, I was like, give me a lap. There was discipline involved. But on the other end of the court, all I heard from this adult man was yelling. Just yelling because they weren't getting the result he wanted. They weren't making the baskets. You know, they weren't doing something. All I could just hear is this, Ugh. you know, it was oppressing. I'm like, God, those poor kids on my side, they're not making the basket, but they're trying. So I've had this philosophy since that, since before that time, but I've taken that into my business. And I tell my people, I said, look, I will never publicly berate you for anything. I don't care what it is. If but you you'll really mess up that bad, go ahead. But, but you'll do it privately. You'll privately berate them. I don't know. It, it will depend. <laughs> I have not ever done it. And I, I don't, I'm not wired that way. Some people are, and that's okay. But if you do, if you have the propensity to do that, close the door, make sure no one else can hear, do them a favor and not uh, publicly shame them. Um, I, it's, uh, there's another story behind that. I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> I witnessed it once and I was like, wow. And it was a guy I knew that did it. I'm like, holy smokes. But um, I don't, I'm a, I'm, my philosophy is if they put everything, they're going to make mistakes. They're human. Everyone's going to make mistakes. And I see 
business owners yelling at their people or really, you know, smacking them around verbally uh, and telling them how they screwed up and don't ever do that again. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you say, I know if you're trying your best, if you're doing the best you can, you follow my instructions. We just missed the mark on the outcome. That's okay with me. As long as you're putting forth the effort, that's all I can ask of you. And if it's a complete mismatch of skill base, we'll work on that. But usually it's not. It's just that they're a human. They made a mistake, an honest one. And I say, you know what? That's cool. We don't even, I don't even tell them to go back and fix it. I say, let's move on. And next time it'll be better. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. If they do it on purpose, uh, well, it just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened in my, in my culture yet because of the culture we've developed, not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying it works. Positive reinforcement beats negative reinforcement every day of the week yeah nice well and and what you're another way of speaking about what you're what you're clarifying here is this is what carol dweck called the growth mindset as opposed to the fixed mindset you know and so for for anyone watching and listening that wants to you know take the wisdom that brian is bringing forward here and go deeper with it her book what is it called um I don't know, Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. It's been a while since I've read it. It's, 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 it's the classic masterpiece on this, on this. And it says, you know, so clearly that when we reward people for their efforts, as opposed to the results, or even worse, like what they're genetically wired to do, right? And, and so important with parenting and with children, but also equally important for ourselves, right? To, to, to develop that ability to say, hey, this is the effort I put in that is within our control that we can always improve and keep going. But that, which, you know, is, is not within our control. If we look at it that way, have a fixed mindset while well, we just stunt our growth, you know, and, and I love part of what you're putting forward here is that, you know, everybody can continue to grow and improve. And a key to leadership is cultivating that, right. Um, helping them to grow um, beautiful. So, um, golly, time is flying by. Um, and knowing though that you are such a uh, lover of learning and books, and and you mentioned uh, that a, a minute ago, what what are some of your most um, impactful books? Like, what are the what are the books that have made the biggest difference in your life? Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That uh, what was his name? T. Harv Eker. Hmm. Uh, could probably read that. 20 times um, another person brought it up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I remember that one. That was one of the best. And I would love to read that again. It's not about being a millionaire and it's, it's all about mindset and it's, it's unbelievable. And he would take, he would take pauses and say, put your hand over your heart and say this. And you say it out loud, kind of like affirmations, like, wow, this is cool. Um, the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, especially uh, that, you know, people don't take things personally because they're not meant to be personal. Most of the time when somebody yells at you and they're driving by you and we're like, oh, my gosh, that person hates me. It's like they don't know you. How can they hate you? They just they're uh, they're letting off some steam and it has absolutely nothing to do with you other than you happen to be in their line of sight. And maybe you, you cut them off inadvertently. It doesn't matter. Don't take it personally. Uh, so many things. Um, my gosh. The Bible, of course, there's, there's one and only uh, the number one. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I have an entire library, uh, reachyourpeaklibrary.com. Shameless plug, but it's not a money-making uh, website. It's there to just be a library for other entrepreneurs that I have. A, oh, I love uh, Grant Cardone. I've read 
if he hasn't written another book in the last four or five years, I've read them all. <laughs> uh, I love this energy. I listen to Audible and he is the narrator of all of the books that I listen to. And I love his energy. And uh, I know there's two sides of the camp. People either love this guy or they can't stand him. Uh, I, I look at what I'm getting from the information. I don't look at what is my opinion of that person as much. Um, yeah, that led, led, led to another topic in my head, but I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too much. A lot of books uh, that I've read, and I didn't start reading until about the age of 47. And that's when I met my mentor, Mel. And I was staying at his place in Newport Beach. He was, he was like three, two blocks from the ocean. Uh, that's where I was like, oh, this is great. And my wife, he, they invited my wife. He was married. He's married to a wonderful wife named Kate. They had us over, let us stay the night. We went out and played uh, on the beach in the ocean together and had a great time. But there was one morning I got up and he's walking around with, with hair, headphones on. And this was some time ago now. And I'm like, so, hey, hey, Mel, uh, can you hear me? It's like, what are you listening to? I'm curious. I'm always curious about what successful people do. And he's like, oh, it's a, it's, it's a book. I'm like, what? You're listening to a book? Yeah. So how do you do that? Well, it's this thing called Audible. I said, where the heck is that? So I could not, I did not like reading books with my eye strain. I don't know what it was. I could not pay attention long enough. And then when I got my first Ottawa book and listened to it, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the way to do it. I'd listen to it in the car every time I was not doing it in the gym. Uh, whenever I'm not concentrating on muscle and I'm, if I'm doing just cardio or something, I listen to books and like it opened my eyes through my ears. Ooh, that's a new one. I should trademark that. But, uh, yeah, books are a big part of life, and I didn't know it till the age of 47. I read hardly anything, and then I started devouring them, and just, uh, it's true. Uh, if you read the right books, uh, and to do that, to find out what the right books are, well, you got a great resource right here. I'm on the, usually on the other side. Uh, Daniel Aaron is a massive reader of books, and he, he just rattled off a few for all of you. And what I always recommend people do is when you hear someone like Daniel come on, or Yours truly, anyone that's been in the in this arena and got, educated themselves through the reading of books, and they mention titles and authors, write it down and then go get it now. Order it the second this show's over. Order every book that Daniel just mentioned uh, and the ones I mentioned as well, and in, in whatever form you you choose to ingest it, whether it's a physical book, Kindle, Audible, it doesn't matter. Get it, read it, and then read the next one after that. And uh, that's my two cents on that. I highly recommend when someone like Daniel comes on and recommends a book, you know, Daniel's got a great deal of success in his life. You follow success, you know, success leaves clues I've heard said. <laughs> and so uh, that's a, one of the biggest recommendations I always give on my own show is when you get a recommendation for a book and it's from someone who has the experience that you want to get the results they have, you don't even question it. You go get the book and then you read it. That answer to a short question, wasn't it? Oh, no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful what you said. Um, you know, the specific book recommendations I love. And also, uh, you know, hearing your story of how you got into reading or, you know, is, is it reading if we're listening or is that something, <laughs> you know, uh, hilariously, like this last week, I've been working on with an editor, a new video that I'm about to put out um, primarily for YouTube that's all about uh, how to read more, better, faster, and more importantly, how to get more out of it, how to implement what you learn and put it into your life right away. And 
and I go quite deeply in this video into a lot of what you just said, um, because there's, there's so much confusion about, well, confusion. There's so much uh, disagreement these days in the book realm, like, oh no, physical copies. No, electronic copies. No, no, I like electronic copies. You can highlight them. You, you know, I can carry 20 books here, a hundred books here, you know, or but no, but audible, that's not reading. That doesn't count. You know, like people have all these opinions. And my opinion is like, dude, when you tap into like the thing that Einstein said, which is so beautiful, right? You can't solve a problem by the same level of consciousness that created it. We all know that quotation. And, and what's amazing about books is you're tapping into an author or um, you know somebody who is on a different vibration or that the book is on a different vibration. And whether we're listening or reading or a combination we're, we're actually getting into that vibration, which is so powerful. Um, I just, a new, uh, a new thought leader for me is Naval Ravikant. Um, and I was listening to his almanac recently and he said something I thought was beautiful, which hadn't occurred to me before this, which is he had the experience of forgetting how to read a book because in the age we are in, We've gotten so used to blogs and podcasts and, and nothing wrong with any of those blogs and podcasts and articles and short videos and TikTok, you know, like awesome. We've got so many different ways that we can consume, right? That we can take in a different vibration. We can take in wisdom. Awesome. And there is something special and unique about a book, right? You know this because you've got a book coming out soon. Um, like the process to actually write a book, it's a big process, right? And it really forces the author to refine their thinking and repeat it and cut parts out and, and work with it over and over and over again before it gets to its final copy. So what Naval said is he had to teach himself to go back and actually stay with something, you know, and, and, a, and a, a good audio book. Well, it might be eight hours. It might be 12 hours. I've listened to some that are 50 hours, right? Uh, my daughter and I, we drove cross country a few years ago and we listened to the entire Sherlock Holmes series. It was 52 hours, I believe, of material. And it was amazing, right? So there's so much power in books and, and I'm going to rein myself back in because obviously this is a topic that I get excited about. Um, and, and to me, the bottom line, though, is like whether you like listening to or reading or whichever ones, whatever works for you is great. Um, and, you know, there's that saying that leaders are readers. And I think part of what that is, is because it's the that hard wiring that, you know, so beautiful that you came back to to say, I want to grow. Right. I want to learn. I want to expand. And when we grow and expand, then automatically we're more able to help other people and help more people. Okay. End of my rant. Goodness gracious. Uh, sorry about that. I got excited there. Thank you. Um, and we are um, rapidly diminishing in time here. So I got a, um, a juicy final question for you coming up. First though, um, what, what's going on in the world of Brian Kelly? What, um, what would you like people to know about you and how can people get in contact with you? What, uh, what are some of the ways that you are helping people now? 
So, yeah, that's a big, uh, big question. Um, I just love helping people. So uh, a quick resource, if I may share with people that costs nothing, it's called reachyourpeakclub.com. And there is basically what I call an entrepreneur discount house. Wow, that was quick. I'm impressed. Good job. Um, reachyourpeakclub.com. It's a free membership. Think of it like Costco or, or Sam's Club that doesn't have hundreds of thousands of products and it doesn't have a membership fee. It's just got a few, but the few that are in there will help you to elevate your business quicker through automation and other, other resources in there. Uh, there's a great resource in there where you can pay very, very little money for a very high level uh, membership of Zoom, which a lot of people use. So just one example, uh, because I partner with a company that offers that. Uh, another is, you know, everyone in business is looking to market themselves. How do they get out to more people? How do they get, uh, you know, now it's about personal touch. It's about no like and trust. It's about getting out there so people don't just see what you've written, but they can see your face like they see Daniel right now. And so I'm very passionate about live video shows like Daniel's doing right now. And my company helps produce this, uh, this very show we're on now and my own and other clients as well. And the purpose of this is for massive exposure, not only for the host, but the guests that come on. But really what when the rubber meets the road is the relationships you build are going to be lifelong uh, with the guests that come on that you've never met before in your life. Uh, and I know this by doing it for now five years or so. Uh, the value you get from it is sometimes monetary. Uh, oftentimes it's beyond description. You can't even put a money figure to it. And then I've learned more from my own show than uh, my God, I am the the most blessed person to have my own show. Uh, and Daniel, you're you're now that as well. You're gonna you're just gonna be on this wonderful ride. You're gonna make incredible relationships. You're gonna get, make great connections, and every bit of it will help both your business and your personal life. And it's uh, something I love doing, and that's what we do. Uh, it's called the TotalBroadcastBlueprint.com. Um, that's just uh, throw that out there. That's my current passion. It's been my passion for a good four or five years. Uh, we do a full blown done for you. It's not, this isn't an ad spot. It's just, I love doing this stuff and it involves a lot of automation. Uh, you might not have guessed that because it's live video. What the heck is there to be automated? Well, I have a free masterclass. Nothing is for sale. This is a perfect segue. And then I'll stop with this one, Daniel, um, go to peakmasterclass.com. Um, as we're doing this show right now tonight, it actually is tomorrow. Uh, afternoon or noon for Pacific time, 100% free, nothing is for sale. And you get to learn all the ins and outs, the backstory of everything about live video, why you want to do it, why you, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Uh, it'll give you a good uh, stepping stone to decide whether or not that's something you want to embark on. Not necessarily with me or my company, just is it something that would be in your purview for your business? I would recommend it for every business, every business out there. It's better than writing a book. Because the content changes every single week. A book, you spend forever writing it, which I just did. It will never change the content unless I write another book and spend another countless amount of hours. A show you do every week, a one-hour show is the same as like a 100-page book. When you do the transcription, you've got a book almost every week, and it's brand-new content, and it's high value, and it's current. So anyway, off my soapbox, I love this stuff. I, it's all about marketing, exposure, getting it, but it really comes down to making relationships with other business owners for me. That's what I love about it personally. Well, uh, yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, I think it's worth it for me to let people know too, 
this being the first official show for me with the Art of Vibrant Living show, I've been planning this show literally for years. Um, and even if, if people look at some of the older shows, like, well, this is the first one. How are there older shows? I was actually uh, experimenting with creating a show five years ago. Right. And, and we still have some of those episodes and people can go back and watch them for entertainment purposes only because they are hilariously unprofessional. When I think of it now, even if some of the content is good and I've been a guest on so many different podcasts and shows from different people. And I had the experience of I didn't want to actually create a show until I knew I could do it in a way that that felt to me fully professional right? That felt to me like I could really take care of the guests in the way they deserve to be taken care of. Cause I had the experience of going on so many people's shows and it was, you know, um, just not the ideal experience, put it that way, a bit sloppy or unprofessional, or I showed up and I was like, uh, I don't know what to do. And, you know, so being able to work with you and build the show and, you know, have it live and broadcast in different places. And then all the rebroadcast channels and, you know, to learn how to do it in a professional way has been such a great experience. So I'm happy to just, you know, echo and sing your praises um, for anybody that wants to create a show. And it is still such an amazing way of sharing information, getting connections with people, serving people in the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely encourage people and I'll um, flash this back up here one more time. The Reach Repeat Club, too. Because that's one of the ways I first met you, Brian, was understanding that. I'm a member of the, the uh, what do you call it, Discount Zoom Club, um, which is, is fantastic. I mean, it's a service I would use anyway. And now I pay less and get more features because of it, um, as well as you know all I've learned from you in the automation world and support that way. So, so much that you offer people. And I, I think Reach Your Peak Club is a great way to um, just connect in and, and start to take advantage of that. So... Um, and um, I'm, I'm guessing that um, of the many gifts that you bring to the show and that you have for our, uh, our audience, Reach Your Peak, Peak Club is probably the best gift. Is there anything else you want to say along those lines? Uh, yeah, you pretty much covered it. It's just a great place to go. I mean, in there, you even can find the link to the Peak Masterclass, which costs absolutely zero dollars. Uh, nothing for sale. During the class, there's a call to action where you get a chance to talk to me personally for a full hour. And people won't believe this. They never do. But I don't sell anything on that call either. It's 100% Q&A your time. Uh, so I just love giving back and helping people. And um, they'll know if they're ready to move forward with the show. And if they're not, that's okay. But this is going to give them the stepping stones like you were doing five years ago. That might be their time of their five years from now. They may then finally do a live video show. So I just want to get that, plant the seed, if you will get the thoughts, uh, the juices flowing, a little more knowledge on how everything um, works, what the right approach is, and that gives them more knowledge to decide, okay, maybe I will just start going and do my own live show now, and that's great. Or they'll do a record, uh, an audio-only podcast. It takes less work, less effort. Um, it There's fewer touch points involved as far as marketing by far, but it's a place to start. So I just say get, get going. If you don't have a podcast or a live show, What's holding you back? Well, go to peakmasterclass.com and you'll learn the basics and we'll take it from there. Nice, beautiful. Yeah, and having watched all those shows um, and been part of those masterclasses that Brian's speaking about, 
It's actually true. One of the rare people in the entire world that's not selling anything through that. And with such a heart for service, it's, you know, you're really an outlier and a standout in that way. And, and uh, I give you big props and a lot of credit for that. So thank you. All right. Well, <clears throat> we are uh, at the end of our time. I got one more question for you, Dr. Brian. And that question, are you ready? Are you ready for the final question? I don't know. Am I? What do you think? You know me pretty well. <laughs> well, you're born ready and you've already given a lot of answers to this, but I'm going to make it hard because I'm going to bring it down to just one. So with everything that we've talked about, everything that you've experienced and created in your life, all the work you've done, all the service you've given for our audience, what is the one top suggestion you have for what would create a vibrant, thriving life? What can people do or not do to create a vibrant, thriving life? I would say concentrate more on serving others than serving yourself. Uh, that's a human nature thing where we, we are looking to, to do what we want, to feed our own uh, hunger, uh, literal and figuratively. And the more you serve others, the more you give, um, it just naturally comes back, not necessarily directly from the people you're helping, but in other ways, the blessings come in and the sense of fulfillment you get from serving others, helping others, giving them a little bit of a boost and assistance, no matter what uh, they're looking for help in, could be business, it could be personal, but concentrate, um, if, you, if you would, more on serving others than not saying forget about serving yourself, please don't do that. Love yourself, take care of yourself, and make sure you've got your own house straight, because if you're not in, in an optimal health, then how are you going to help others? So be sure to take care of yourself first, of course, but day to day, look at how you can help others. How can I serve more individuals today? Uh, and, and in what ways can I do that? What gifts have I been given by God? What talents have I uh, nurtured and improved upon that I can use to help serve others? Serving doesn't necessarily always mean doing it pro bono either. You can serve someone, charge them money, and they'll be more than happy uh, that you're giving them that service in exchange for the money value as well. So I don't want that to be misconstrued either. So serve others, do it with um, heart, uh, always give value when you, and look, we all know we're, we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. You will never be perfect, but there's nothing wrong with striving for perfection. Just don't kick yourself every day because you're not there because you're not going to ever be there and be happy with it. Be joyful and live every day to serve others and you'll see a great uh, vibrant life as a result because I'm living that life right now. Beautifully said. Yeah. It's um, so much of life uh, is about our ability to place someone else in front of ourselves in the yoga tradition. Um, they're one of the first pieces of advice that Patanjali, the yoga sutra author gives is called Ahimsa which when you, when you get to the accurate translation, it means create as much love as you can. Do as little harm as possible or create as much good as you can. And it's all built on this idea that the other is really us anyway. It's an illusion that there is another. So the more we train ourselves to take care of that illusion of other, the more we're taking care of ourselves and the more we're becoming one. Beautiful. Brian, Sad as it is, we're going to need to wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for helping make this show a reality. 
I'm thrilled to have the chance to connect with you. And for all of you who have tuned in with us live or on rebroadcast, thank you. And I hope you have benefited and that you make your life a masterpiece. Take care, y'all. Aloha. Mahalo for tuning in to the Art of Vibrant Living show, y'all. I'm Daniel Aaron, and may you live with great vibrancy. <laughs>